0: Grace is such a rich word, isn't it? I mean, it's love, it's mercy, it's second chances, it's overwhelming. It is such a huge word when we think of the word grace. This morning we're continuing our series, Under Grace, and we're looking at at the topic of extending grace to others. That that out of experiencing grace, there, there should be a response there should be an action that follows our receiving that incredible gift and and many of us have felt that over the over our lives we've experienced grace given to us by by people and by God i can i can remember the very first time when i i experienced grace from a person it was from my next door neighbor mrs heller she was a second grade teacher in, in our neighborhood and, and everyone loved her and she lived next door to, to me and I thought she was the greatest. I mean, she was so awesome and, and one day I saw her out in her front yard and she was working on her flower beds and they were beautiful. They lo- surrounded her home and she had beautiful roses and, and daffodils and, and zinnias and dahlias. I mean, just all these wonderful flowers in her front yard. So I walked out and saw Mrs. Heller, and I asked her what she was doing, and she said, well, I'm, I'm pulling the weeds in my flower beds. Can I help? And she said, sure, you can help. Come on, sit down. And then she started showing me the flowers and the weeds and which ones to pull. So, okay, I got this, and I, I started pulling them with her. And, and you know what happens after you weed an area? You kind of move on to another area. And, and I moved off a ways away from her and, and she moved off a little ways and, a, and about 15 minutes later, she came back to me to see how I was doing. And, and she looked at me and she looked at her flower bed and she said, oh, Doug, you can stop. Those aren't weeds. Those were all my moss roses. Yeah. And, and that's how I felt when I, when she, I just, oh. I had so messed up, and I had ruined her flowers. And then she looked at me, and she said, you know what the best part about moss roses are? They just come back, and they spread out, and, and in a few weeks, won't, we won't even notice. And I felt that grace. And she also reminded me that I should stay closer to her and only pull the weeds. But, <laughs> but I experienced that grace, and, and it stuck in my head. I mean, I was five. And it's one of the memories I have as a kindergartner. The next time I experienced grace from someone was when I was 12 and I was in middle school and I was in woodshop class. And and at that time, woodworking and tools were not one of my gifts. Let's just put it that way. In our class, we were building this um, birdhouse and, and you had to use a drill press for it. And it was a standing drill press and it... This big, well, at least for me, it seemed like a really big tool because, believe it or not, I was shorter then than I am now. And so it seemed huge. And in using the drill press, one of the things was it had an arm that came out from the the main stand that you put your metal or your wood on and then you lower the drill press into it and pull the drill press up. Sounds simple. The only thing you have to make sure is that on that arm, you tighten it down really well. So that when you press down with the drill, it doesn't give way and and collapse to the ground. I thought I had this. And I had my board on there and I tightened down the arm and I pulled down the press and, and I didn't have it. And that arm went all the way to the bottom. And since it was cast iron steel, when it hit the base, it shattered and made a tremendous sound. And all of my peers turned and looked at me. And then Mr. Rasmussen came over, and, you know, at that time, I thought he was about like 90 years old and the most grizzled, mean guy I'd ever... I really, we were kind of terrified from him. And, and, and he comes over, and he looks at me, he looks at the drill press, and I'm like, and I'm failing the class and buying a new drill press. And he goes, What happened? it's kind of obvious what happened. i mean i I, I don't know I didn't tighten it enough, and, and I'm sorry. He goes, "It's okay. I think I have another sleeve in the other room. Now, I'd like to say that's the last time Mr. Rasmussen had to give me grace in that class. <laughs> I also send a a sander right through a wall too, but that's that's another story um It's not that funny. But, but the, the relief you feel when someone extends you grace is overwhelming. That's nothing compared to the grace we feel when we experience the grace of God. I grew up in a Baptist church, and trust me, I think I asked Jesus to be my Savior and forgive my sins Lots of times because, you know what, at most of the ends of the services, you had that chance and you could go forward. And I think, you know, starting in like second grade, I was on the move, you know. But and all of it counted. Please hear that, it all counted. But when I was 16 and I was really wrestling with the whole Jesus thing and did I really believe it or not believe it and and my life was not looking like I believed it and living like I believed it. I went away for a weekend and and on a retreat I experienced the grace of God and a richness and fullness that I can't can't explain but I felt and knew and it changed my life. That's what grace is supposed to do. And ever since then God has continued to show that grace to me. And there have been people that have come across my life and and they have extended grace to me. And when we have those moments, it is such a gift. That's also what God calls us into, is extending grace to others. On one occasion, Peter must have been wrestling with the thoughts about grace and forgiveness. And, and he'd watched Jesus in action, and he'd seen Jesus forgiving people and extending grace to people, and, and he was wrestling it with it because he knew what the expectations were being a Jewish man. So as he's been wrestling with it, he comes to Jesus, and he asks him this question in Matthew 18. Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sinned against me? Seven times. He says, you know, how, how many times do I have to extend grace to somebody before I can go, it's all good? Now, Peter, in saying seven, knew exactly what he was doing. The requirement in Jewish law, Jewish culture, was three times. After three times, you didn't need to extend forgiveness again. So, so knowing three, he went, three, I'll double it, toss in one for good measure, I'm going to look great. You know, I am so over the top on grace. Jesus is going to have to be impressed. So, so he says, how about, how about seven? Seven was a lot. To Peter, seven was over the top. And he thought he had it right. And then Jesus responds, no, not seven times, but 70 times Seven. Now, if you're doing the quick mass, that's 490. And, and that's really not what Jesus was saying. He wasn't saying, hey, and on the 491st time, you can, you can pass on that whole forgiveness thing. It's all good, you know. But keep score till then. He, he wasn't saying that. And I think Peter knew it. But Jesus wanted to make sure he and the disciples and all those around him understood it. So he told them a story. And here is the story that Jesus told. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decides to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars, just millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. Catch the difference. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. You know why they went to the king? How could he do that? How could he do that? If you look at the NIV translation of that, it says that it was actually 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents roughly in today's commerce is about $30 million. I don't know about you, but if I owed $30 million, I'd have no shot at paying it back. $30 million. And yet he couldn't forgive a few thousand How could he do that? How could he do that? When in his own life, he deserved justice. He had a debt. He didn't even argue that he had the debt. He knew he had the debt. And the king could have given him justice, getting exactly what he deserved. But in that moment, he asked for mercy. Don't put me in prison. Mercy, not getting what he deserved. He just said, give me more time. I will pay it back. I know I owe the debt, but I'll pay it back. I'll make it right. But instead, the king gives him grace. He does better than mercy. He gives him grace, getting what he didn't deserve, a complete second chance, a do-over. And then he walks away from that experience and immediately seeks justice. And when he's asked for mercy, he still gives justice. How can he do that? I mean, we shake our heads, don't we? But here's the real problem. How can I do that? How can I do that? Because... I have caught myself that I am that man. You know, the most challenging part and rewarding part of of this series is it makes you do some self-examination. It makes you start going, and how am I doing on this whole justice, mercy, grace thing? And all of a sudden you're going, not only how can I do that, I've done that. I've been that man. But Jesus says grace is supposed to be in our DNA. It's supposed to be part of who we are. Once we experience God's grace, His gift to us, it should flow through us and it should be extended to others. It should come naturally. It should just come like breathing to us. Except we kind of think, man, everyone else should get justice but for me and my family, mercy and grace are awesome. And Doug Mathers mentioned that a couple weeks ago that, that often we seek justice for others when they wrong us. When they do something, boy, I hope he gets his. Boy, I hope I hope, you know, somebody teaches him a lesson, her a lesson, right? But man, on our side, we're all about mercy. We're all about grace. We don't want justice. So when am I tempted to seek justice instead of grace? So as I thought about that this week, kind of replayed moments in my life. Let me give you some from me. That this is when I'm tempted. It's it's when I forget. It's when I forget. I love today's worship set. It's an incredible reminder of what Jesus did. His life, his death, his forgiveness. But when I forget, that's when I'm tempted to seek justice. When I forget that I have been forgiven, not by just other people, but by God. When I forget, A couple weeks ago, Jeff alluded during this series to a, a, a moment where Jesus had a woman brought to him by the Pharisees. She had been caught in adultery. And they said, hey, justice demands this woman should get stoned. Jesus, what do you say? And as you read that story, you find out he really didn't say anything more than whoever is without sin, throw the first stone. And then we find out that Jesus starts writing in the dirt. And, and you know what the frustration part of this story is? We don't get to know what he wrote in the dirt. I would love to know what did Jesus write in the dirt. And I have, one, I have three different theories on this, and I don't know which one is the right one of what he wrote. But here's what I think. Either he was writing their names in the dirt Hey, first one that hasn't sinned, go ahead. John, Peter, Simon. And now they're doing some self-evaluation, aren't they? Maybe he was writing in the dirt the Ten Commandments. And as they saw those, they reflected on that and went, Wow, I don't measure up to that maybe he started writing down their specific sins in the dirt. I don't know what he wrote, but I do know this. When he was finished writing, they'd all left. He'd reminded them. He had reminded them. I sometimes think if If I was there at that moment, what would Jesus have written to me? And would I want to see what he wrote? Or would I be so overwhelmed that I know, and yet you love me, you have given me grace? It would be an amazing reminder. Let me give you another. When I forget I'm not better than others. That's when I can seek justice when I when I forget it and, and I think this is really subtle. I think we do this without even thinking about it. It just it just happens we start comparing how we're doing and then you know what? Because we want to feel good about ourselves, we want to kind of go, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I'm I'm a I'm a decent person. I'm a good person, and and doggone it, people like me, right? And and we start comparing and we go, well, well, I may have some issues, but but I don't And then we fill in the I don't with with something. I might have my flaws, but I don't. And here's here's a whole bunch of ways people have compared themselves. I don't swear. I don't hold grudges. I don't lie. I don't lose my temper. I don't steal. I don't gossip. You know, growing up in the Baptist church, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't chew. I don't dance. I don't keep score. And when we start living like that, when we start doing the comparison of I'm I'm a better Jesus follower than them we can start seeking justice it's so subtle we start going oh man look at them they're a mess I'm pretty okay but they're a mess and maybe they should get theirs they should get what's coming to them let me give you one more when i forget to think the best of others when when people have let you down when when people said hey yeah i'll be there for you and 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 they're not there for you when someone says hey yeah i will i will take care of that for you and they don't take care of it for you sometimes it's when you're having a conversation and that conversation goes sideways and you don't know what happened but but you know it, it, it went badly or, or when that person's talking to you and, and they hurt you or, or they're not responding in a way that, that really seems to appreciate you, what do you fill in the blank with? Do you fill it in with positive? Do you think, well, you know what? They might have had just a really bad day. I have no idea. You know what? They might be going through tremendous stress. Or tremendous pain. And, and, and I need to show some grace. Hey, I know they meant to be there for me and they didn't show up and maybe something really important came up. Maybe, maybe an emergency came up in their life and, and they couldn't be there. But the temptation, I think, for many of us, for, for me at times, is to fill in the blank with less than positive. Oh, they really didn't want to come anyways oh, man, I can't believe they said that. It's when we forget. That's when we're tempted to seek justice instead of extending grace. And this was a big deal to Jesus. He told this story. And at the end of it, we're all going, wow, how could he do that to that man? How could he not show grace? But it's, it's bigger than that even. And the last three verses I didn't give you from the story as he continues the story. And I have to say, they make me uncomfortable. I don't like part of what these verses say. And, and I wrestle with it. I'm not quite sure what he meant. I, I get the main theme from it. But, but some of it I just go, man, I wish, Jesus, you wouldn't have said what you said. Because here's how he finishes the story. Then the king called the man... He had forgiven and said, You evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. When I read that, there's a part of that that doesn't it doesn't feel like it sits right, does it? I mean, there's this, well, Jesus loves us. He always forgives us. And then there's this There's this warning that we are called to be people of grace and mercy. And and I don't want you to get stuck on, so the king put him in prison, and what does that mean? And what does God, Don't get stuck there. Because I, what I really want you to catch is the last part. You need to forgive your brothers and sisters with your heart. It's more than lip service. It's more than legalism. And remember, that's what Peter was going back to, right? The legalism of forgiveness. Hey, I know the number is three. I'll do seven. No, Peter, you missed it. It's forgiveness from your heart, a sincerity, a depth. You mean it. That's what God is looking for from those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus. So now here's the question. How do we protect ourselves? How do we prepare ourselves to give grace? And for me, I think the main part is to remember, to take moments to remember. Remember what God has done for me. When I start to get my life out of balance, I tend to journal. And I am not a journaler. I don't like it, but I know I need it. And and sometimes when I just feel real out of whack, I start to journal. And, And one of the parts I start to journal is, I am thankful for, and that's an easy part thankful for my family, thankful for my job, thankful for my friends, thankful. That's easy. Then I get to, I'm thankful for your forgiveness of. And that gets a lot harder because I don't like writing those words down. I don't like being reminded of that. But you know what? It's great. It makes me remember that even with that, I am forgiven. I've experienced God's grace and His mercy. And it helps me to remember so that I can extend it. This morning we're going to remember together. We're going to take the Lord's table, communion for, for some of us depending on which tradition you've grown up in. But, but the Lord's table was always intended to be a reminder It was intended to be a reminder for for his disciples of what he was going to do. It was a reminder for the early church. That's why they said, whenever you get together, you should participate in the Lord's table. And it's a reminder for us. The Lord's table is just a reminder for us that we have experienced God's grace. It's to remember the grace we've received. A few weeks back, Jeff gave the the parts of grace, that grace is an uneven trade between God and us. And it's important for us to remember what that trade really was. So let me just review for you some of those things. Grace is an uneven trade that my sin is covered by Jesus' righteousness. My sin is forgiven by His righteousness. My rags for His riches. No matter how much I think I'm doing good, comparatively, pfft, it's nothing in comparison. My guilt for His innocence. That I don't have to live with all the regret, all the shame, all of the failure. And my new life for His death. God is in the business of second chances. And we get to celebrate that. And when we remember these things, we can extend grace to others. So in a few moments, we're going to take the Lord's table. We're going to take communion together. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you said, hey, I've made Jesus my Savior. He's, he's the leader of my life. He's the forgiver of my sins. I want to invite you to participate in communion This morning the hosts are going to be serving communion to us and as they're going through the rows back and forth serving communion the band is going to be to be playing and singing a song called Losing I want you to take some moments to remember and also if if music is one of the ways you remember look at the lyrics to this song listen to the lyrics they're powerful and they, they put us right in the place we need to be so that we can extend grace. So when they serve the bread and they serve the cup, I want to ask you that you would just hold on to it so that when everyone has been served, we will take the cup and bread together. In Luke 22, verse 14, we read this. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup of wine and he gave thanks for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some of the bread and gave thanks for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people, us. An agreement confirmed with my blood which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. When we take Communion. It's the greatest opportunity for us to remember the grace we've received and the grace we're called to extend to others. Then Jesus took the bread and said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup. He said, this represents my blood. Shed for you, take and drink. Now you may think that's the to-do from this message. It's not. It's actually the preparation for the to-do. That when we take that moment to remember, then we can extend grace to others. The to-do this morning is actually a reflection. Taking that moment and searching our hearts, searching your mind, replaying the last week, the last month, maybe the last year, and go, God, show me, show me the people in my life where I have sought justice when you would have desired grace. And if God shows you that person, they, they you know, a name pops into your head, you're like, oh, I hate when this happens. I don't want you to just brush it off, walk away, think it'll go away if I just, you know, move on, get busy. If God is touching you and showing you that there is a person in your life that you need to go make things right with, that you need to go extend grace to, I want to encourage you this week to begin that journey. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for the grace you've extended to us, for your love, your mercy, your forgiveness a new life. God, let us be people that that comes naturally to. May we always remember how you have shown mercy and love and grace to us. And this week, God, help us to extend it to those that need it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful rest of the Memorial Day weekend. We hope to see you back next week.